0: people. This is Jessica.
1: This is Christian.
0: And this is Psych Nerds. And this is our very first pilot episode, and we have definitely decided to call ourselves the Psych Nerds. So come on and nerd out with us. Hope you all enjoy. Okay, so I'm Jessica. I'm Christian. And welcome to
1: our podcast our
0: podcast which we are trying to figure out the name to. yeah
1: we're right now it's um uh, coffee notes and psych notes but uh you know
0: <laughs> still
1: still on the fence we don't know if we're breaking any copyrights there but yeah
0: so uh tba on that one but this is the very first podcast and the purpose of this podcast is to kind of not kind of but talk about cool evidence-based approaches to counseling therapy kind of do a really fun way to like do counselor training yeah and kind of we're we're you know getting into we're budding counselors into this field so kind of like training ourselves while we do this yeah yeah so we're just gonna like do cool interviews book reviews whatever
1: yeah whatever we feel is a lot of helpful and cool
0: mental health shit yeah and cussing is okay yeah i feel like it's a great way to live
1: i think uh Dr. Lord Gosling even said, a well-timed curse is very helpful.
0: Lord Gosling. <laughs> and that's definitely an inside joke if that ever if this podcast ever gets out there into the interwebs. <laughs> so today's topic, we're going to talk about this book that we read by Dr. Bruce Perry, MD, PhD, TM, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's TM, and Mia Maya... Solve- a little bitch. I can never... Yeah, that
1: sounds about right. Maya Salvis. Uh,
0: Don't come sal- at us wrong.
1: <clears throat> yeah, apologize.
0: <laughs> Butchered that one. We should put it in Google, but Google might butcher it. And we are definitely apologetic. Um, so the book is a very, I think, a staple for crisis counseling with children who are experiencing trauma. And there's this really great summary of the book on the back and it says about the boy who was raised by a dog it says how does trauma affect a child's mind and how can traumatized children recover in the classic the boy who was raised as a dog dr perry explains what happens inside the brains of children exposed to extreme stress and shares their lessons of courage humility and hope only when we understand the science of the mind and the power of love and nurturing can we hope to heal the spirit of even the most wounded child. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's heavy.
1: It is. And, you know, I, I think he does a really, a really good job of, you know, telling these really horrific stories. Um, but he always spins it in a way that, you know, instead of seeing them as victims, you know, they're survivors. Yeah. And I think that synopsis, I I can feel the the spirit of what he wanted you to walk away from with the book. Yeah, Yeah. with hope. You know, like these awful things happen, but, you know, uh, children are so, and people are so resilient. And, um, you know, even though these horrible things happen, you know, it's just like the human spirit, you know.
0: Yeah. And we can teach people how to be resilient. Yeah. And there's like hope. And he's... I really got that, you know, you always want to dig deeper. It's not what you think it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of um, not being afraid to think outside the box to find the why. You know, why is someone presenting these, um, you know, these behaviors or these, you know, um, symptoms? Yeah. You know.
0: Uh, yeah, and definitely evidence-based approaches to doing therapies was one thing I got. Um, because there's a chapter in this is like whoa they're actually doing that therapy that's like a what was it, a virgin therapy or when LGBT it wasn't a virgin therapy but it was holding therapy holding
1: therapy yeah yeah that one was oh and we'll get into that in a little bit but yeah oh that was a
0: little teaser there
1: that was a that was a wacky wacky procedure oh my gosh. so yeah it, it highlights the importance of not just believing any and everything it's you know um being a considerate, you know, person who will read the research and, and what's actually working, what's yeah. the data say, not just what's the next fad.
0: Yeah, and I think that science is really under attack. Um, and people are like, well, what is science? And, you know, averages aren't even real and stuff. But no, it gives us ideas of trends. It might not work Yeah. in each case, so it's a good idea for counselors to think about the individual mm-hmm. as a whole person. In yes. empathetic empathetic way right but just because one therapy that's evidence-based approach w- might work for this one person doesn't maybe,
1: mean you can copy and paste it across
0: exactly everybody. Yeah, yeah but it gives us an idea of what will work for certain cases so I think it's uh people just need to take a chill pill yeah to stop attacking science yeah
1: yeah well so, I'm I'm excited to kind of tear this book um, tear into this book um, and sort of discuss some of the some of the chapters.
0: Yes, uh, yes, I am too, Dr. Bruce Perry. So we should probably talk about him next. And um, uh, M- Mamia, Mamia. So let's dig into his background. <laughs>
1: yeah, sounds good.
0: All right. So let's discuss the author, Dr. Bruce Perry, MD, PhD, and his co-author Maya Solovitz, which Christian was great and looked up a great pronouncing tool
1: yes (laughs) for us wanted to get it right
0: we did we want to give her mad respect for this book that she helped write so Dr. Bruce Perry he has like this extensive background to him he has a filmology filmology is that how you say it or Yeah. yeah filmology yeah filmology so you guys can see words and pronouncing words are probably a struggle it's a struggle's real yes, in my life. A,
1: it's not our not our strong suit.
0: That's okay. That, I think it's the ADHD.
1: <laughs> Maybe
0: I don't know. I don't know. Um, so he is currently a principal of the Neurosequential Network, which I don't really know what that is, but I think it's a um, trauma, child trauma. Academy that he has created. It's a non-for-profit that helps children in Houston, te- Texas, but I could be wrong. Okay. This is coming from his website. Gotcha. And there's a link to it, but we're just kind of doing a background really quick. Yeah. Um, but if you want to learn more about him, his website is bdperry.com slash about, and you can read more. Obviously, we should probably cite that. <laughs> <laughs> and he is also a professor adjunct of, he's an adjunct professor at the Department of psychiatry and behavioral health sciences at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University in Chicago. That was a mouthful. Yeah. So he does that. Wow. And he is also an adjunct in at different colleges in Victoria, Australia, and Melbourne. Wow. At different wow he he says a lot.
1: He does. And I he he founded he founded the. Um, What was the technique that he founded in the book?
0: Oh, yes. So I would love to do like a podcast on this. Like he founded this podcast based off of his research over the last 20 years. And I'm going to like just read this because I want to do it justice. Yeah. Um, This is coming from his website. His clinical research over the last 20 years has been focused on integrating emerging, emerging principles of developmental neuroscience into clinical practice. This work has resulted in the development of the innovative clinical practices and programs working with maltreated and traumatized children. Most pro, um, predominantly? Prominently. Prominently, thank you very much. <laughs> I can read. <laughs> Prominently, the neuro-sequential uh, model, a developmentally sensitive sensitive neurobiology-informed approach to clinical work, and it is um, called N- E- NMT for short. I feel like I'm massacring this.
1: No, you're good. Keep
0: like reading on the spot is probably yeah, something it's, I need it's to work. Pro- probably it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> words are hard. <laughs> um, and he also has an education that he calls NME and caregiving, which is the NMC. And I guess this is like the three different um, like
1: categories. I guess little branches mo- of yeah. his model. Yeah.
0: So uh, he's he, it goes on to say that this approaches to clinical okay this approach to clinical problem solving has been integrated into the programs at dozens of large public and nonprofit organizations serving at-risk children and their families wow so this is like really cool because i don't know if i told you this but i signed up to do casa advocate training Mm -hmm. and casa is like they go and help abuse children who are taken out of their homes and they are advocates they're volunteers Wow! and yeah. like this Thursday I'm going to go and train to be one of their advocates and they're traumatized like yeah. they've been taken because of abuse from their homes and you're like an advocate for both the judge and the child so I wonder if they teach this model
1: it'd be interesting and you could even if they don't you know you could suggest this
0: yeah it's pretty interesting mm-hmm. so so go
1: ahead I was going to say so that's on Dr. Perry what about our friend Mia, Maya Maya? Maya S- Sol- Solovitz you
0: want to hit that hit that pronunciation
1: sure this is right i don't know why we're struggling with this word so bad
0: maya solovitz maya Maya solovitz there you go it's just our life right now it's 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 pretty late it's It's dinner time
1: in the name that throws me off
0: yeah yeah it's it's a very interesting name um so maya solovitz she's a very interesting person as well she's an award-winning journalist and neuroscience is her specialty uh she has wrote has done i think a lot of co-writing with dr perry This book in particular, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog, but also Born for Love, Why Empathy is Essential and Endangered. And she also has written The Unbroken Brain, which is, uh, if I remember correctly, it's called, it was a New York Times bestseller, Unbroken Brain, A Revolutionary New Way of Understanding Addiction. And she wove together neuroscience and social science with her personal experience of heroin addiction wow so it's pretty amazing yeah and it won a 2018 media award from the national institute on drug abuse
1: she's a, she's a phd right
0: um i don't think she does It's she's not a phd she's just a journalist Interesting. not that not just but like yeah so that's pretty outstanding yeah but um
1: she's got a unique um
0: perspective right yeah
1: definitely and she's
0: got this bro man and dr perry that probably helps her with the
1: yeah i'm sure they're geeking out over the neuroscience yeah for sure. definitely
0: so she has an amateur not an amateur uh what did you call it she's not an amateur <laughs> oh my gosh i'm not trying to like uh, disrespect people here uh she has a um when they, you get it with life a lifetime oh, yeah. phd like a
1: yeah she's just got a, like a lot a lot of life experience um yeah yeah, I can see what you're she's saying. She's lived the talk. Yeah, she's lived the talk. That's yeah, a good so way to say it. I would it.
0: really like to also do a podcast on this book. Yeah? I think that would be very interesting.
1: That would be interesting.
0: So apparently, you're like Dr. Perry, well, you were going to say something. Did I cut you off? No. Dr. Perry's for rent, meaning that you can have him come and talk mm-hmm. at different events.
1: <laughs> He's for rent. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: I wonder if Mia, Maya, excuse me. I want to call her Mia. I love the name Mia, too. Maya, I wonder if she goes and talks. Um, I'm sure she does. She so, yeah, she's co-authored a lot of books, and she lives with her husband and her two squeaky cats Love it. in New York City. And if you want to see more about her, she also has a, a website. Excuse me. It's um, Mia, Maya, oh, my gosh, mayasz.com slash bio or backslash. Is that by, backslash yep, bio? Yep, backslash slash, bio. We'll probably put this. If we ever put this on Spotify or something like that, we'll probably put all <laughs> these links in the... <laughs> for Anyways.
1: <laughs> so all right, cool. Well, let's get into the let's get into the themes. Let's
0: get into the themes.
1: So um kind of moving on from um talking about the the author's a little bit, um kind of going into like the overall themes that we took away from 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 the book. Um and you know, just correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of the three things that um at least I took away was um, you know, meeting the, the the child where they're at um un-
0: Most definitely, yeah. yeah
1: and that you know unfortunately you know children don't have a whole lot of autonomy um in general which is why they're at risk of being in these horrible traumatic um situations and then you know unfortunately when they get treated they don't have autonomy in society either yeah so you know it's it's treating them, and that kind of goes into the second theme, which is treating them with dignity and respect. Yeah. And I think Dr. Perry um, does a really good job of sort of emphasizing. He doesn't press them any further than they're comfortable to be because control is taking, uh, taken away from them. Yeah. And so he's trying to place it back in their hands. So it's, you know, meeting them where they're at, giving them dignity and respect, but then also understanding the um, the, anatomy, the science of the brain.
0: Yes, most definitely.
1: Um, and then unfortunately... You know, navigating the the infrastructure of the health system that we have.
0: Yeah, like CPS and the government. Mm-hmm. Um, Even the legal system. Yeah. Because we talk about the legal system here coming up. We're gonna be talking about it yeah. with the CPS. You know, it's
1: yeah. Hand in um, hand. Unfortunately, like a lot of people are well intentioned, but you know they, they go into these agencies and they're overworked, underpaid, long hours, too many cases and you know they just burn out and then you get these people who you know need nurture and love and compassion on a on a way different scale in the beginning than you know what is typical for for a for a person and they just don't have it you know so it's you know dr perry had to you know always explain the science as to why he's taking really slow steps to get to know the kid to to really understand whereas you know you know some of the social workers and and nurses and doctors are like you know I've got like five other things to do can you just like hurry up this kid won't you know do what I'm telling him to do you know
0: yeah like the doctors are just more concerned with the like physical medical it's more interesting to them right that's what i think he said in the book whereas the mental health portion is boring to them right so right. yeah
1: can't see it can't touch it
0: and you even know. as psychiatrists they're not seen as real doctors but they have medical degrees you saw that in the um the waco event when he went to yeah.
1: the car <laughs> he's
0: like you're not a real doctor yeah
1: they're like uh i think he was like you know one of the one of the sheriffs were like, you know, why why is this guy here, you know? And I think Dr. Perry described him. He had long hair and jeans, so he didn't oh, even yeah. look like a he didn't look like a physician. You know, he they probably thought he was a you know, oh, is a psychiatrist, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he said, I'll tell you what, if this child's heart rate is like this above this number, then. I will, I will leave or something, right? And he does it, and it's this crazy high I number. I know it's crazy. And the guy was like, "We need a doctor." He's like, "I am a doctor." No, a real doctor he said, "I am a real doctor."
0: <laughs> he's like, "It's okay, it's okay. It's just a stress response, the child." Right,
1: live. but having to justify, you know, you know, he he knew the medical model, but he's also, you know, he was trying to learn the mental health model too.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that guard ended up being like the best protector and most empathetic out of all of them or i guess he was a police officer not a guard it was yeah
1: (laughs) but i do know they had like they had guards at that point i mean they were they were watching over those kids so
0: and they yeah he was very empathetic and an advocate for them it sounds like but yeah all those themes i think are great like going back to like children experience trauma are difficult cases and we're expected teachers like we talk about in our classes and with other teachers they're expected to teach people, all these these children and that are different developmental levels and have experienced different types of. I, w- I don't want to say traumas, but some, there's some kids that have experienced trauma, and yeah. someone who uh, has the trauma is going to have more tendency to act out. You know. Yeah. So, and a lot of people don't know how to handle that. So and, yeah it's, well, it's
1: oftentimes like you know um, you know just working with children with um, autism, that's kind of like the only um, clinical work I've had with children is um, it's uncomfortable. Sometimes their behavior is erratic and you know not socially acceptable and it makes people uncomfortable. So it's very hard to navigate, you know that you know when you see that and you, the intensity levels are always different. Yeah, you know. And so, you know, especially as a teacher, I'm sure you have to, like, not only, you know, guide and, like, be in charge of your class and make sure they're doing what they're doing. And then you have this one kiddo who's just bouncing off the walls and you're like, I, you know, i got to control, like, 20 other.
0: And then, yeah. Yeah. And it takes a long time to actually get actual trauma cases where children would benefit going Mm -hmm. into a more um, intensive care. Mm Mm-hmm than being in a public classroom. yeah. Some of our, our 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 fellow students were talking about how they have to keep documenting, documenting, documenting. And it's not because they, they feel bad like they don't like the child. It's because they know this is not a healthy environment for the child and the right. child needs more intensive care than they can give. Mm-hmm. And the longer we're prolonging it, as we're going to talk about here with the brain neurology, yeah. like the longer we're prolonging it, is the longer they're going to stay in that pattern. Right. That's going to become who they are as a person, you know.
1: Right. And I think even, um, you know, like you said, we'll discuss a little bit more on the brain, but um, I think one important thing is Dr. Perry says, like the brain at these critical milestones, it needs repetition and yeah. patterns. Yes. And it's the t- it's the repetition of patterns that you put in play that will help that person develop and even their brain develops so the long like you're saying the longer that they're prolonging this it's like the window is getting smaller, smaller for whatever smaller, this milestone yeah. is and you know you I think you know there was one um, one chapter with, with one kiddo he was uh, unfortunately abandoned through most of the day and the parents had no idea yeah no idea and he had to go back and sort of like help fill in the gaps but you know once that window is closed it's it's so hard to go back and and 'Cause the brain, you know, it has neuroplasticity, but you know, when it's that young, you know, like really yes. mushy, yeah. you know, like play doh almost, like it's so It's really
0: soaking up everything. Exactly it's a little, tiny. It's a sponge.
1: Yeah. But I feel like that sponge over time gets a little bit a little bit harder. harder,
0: and harder right. And so he a, you yeah. can get
1: some things to He's sink in, but once that window is gone, it's it you can't fake well, nature, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He could artificially bring the kid back. And he learned some things, but it's not the same as if it happened at the right time, at the right place, with the right repetition. Exactly.
0: And it's also not about, like, undoing what they learned. Mm -hmm. It's like putting in place another pattern that it's going to default to. Right. It's lessening the other default. Like he talks about with Tina, the case of Tina's World. Right. He talks about if I had more time with her. Yeah. You know.
1: Her autopilot would have... Yeah. gone over here rather than, you know, what she learned in her environment.
0: Yeah, he noticed later on that he needed to probably put in place more different, like, patterns yeah. than... Because she was still experiencing... Yeah.
1: She was just learning how to mask them better.
0: I think so, yeah. You know? She was learning how to mask them better, and it was like he wasn't working with her, and then, yeah. bam, it blew up. But yeah. anyway, so t- going back to the brain neurology and patterns, I don't know, like, I really... You really like this chart, and I really like this chart.
1: Yeah, that yeah, is
0: on the appendix.
1: I think he uh, he did a really good job because not only I mean it's the brain is already a complex organ, right? Like it's it's so so complex, and, but and you know he has to put this in word form. But I felt like he did it well enough that, and he gave a good, pretty good visual that I could follow what he was saying.
0: Yeah, and uh, full disclosure, me and um, Christian both read this book on audible so it came with a pdf appendix and it has this like cool triangle i highly recommend the audible because he reads it right and it Um, just brings it more to life
1: yeah it does i i think um yeah you just really it 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 jumps off the page you know what I mean like yeah uh, and it's also you know we're also ADHD so it might yeah you <laughs> might ADHD, process it so we,
0: like we have to like I, Audible's been I don't know like we talk about it all the time Audible has been yeah a big lifesaver, life-saver. yeah thanks for <laughs> words words <laughs> so yeah it's this hi- hi- bleh, hierarchy of the brain function on figure two in the appendix from the Audible version and uh, it's a cool triangle
1: it's a it's like an upside down pyramid yeah and so um, basically you have from the very bottom, the brainstem, the next um, phase up is the midbrain and the limbic system and then the cortex. Um, and so what he was explaining was that the, the brain starts from the, the bottom up. Yeah. And so the stem, you know, is like wherever all our basic, like our heart rate, our blood pressure, our, our body temperature, that all that's being regulated and developed early on. And then everything that moves out from there all the way to the top of the cortical system, which is where, you know, we have abstract thought, concrete thought, like we can get more, you know, abstract, but along the way, you know, um, different things are are playing off each other. So when kiddos are, um, in these traumatic experiences, oftentimes the first thing that sort of, that gets out of, out of homeostasis is their heart rate.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's stress response.
1: And they're always um, Cortisol. yeah the cortisol Vital levels flight. yep mm-hmm. and they're they're in it for so long um, that it it does start to damage and alter other things in their brain
0: yes yes so it really kind of digs deeper we had this discussion before where me and Christian by the way <laughs> where it is genetics but it's also nurture right. we think that could be um, causing a lot of the antisocial disorders that we talk about when we're talking about the cold heart.
1: Yeah, yeah, cuz I mean, like if we were to use a more basic example um like anxiety, someone could have a higher threshold or a lower threshold to handle things so they get anxious easier.
0: Yes, more but, sensitive to it. Yeah. Right.
1: And if but you know, if they're at the early age and they never learn any coping skills, Mm-hmm. Um, to manage that, then they're just going to be a highly anxious person.
0: Yep, because of the trauma, yeah. You know. So definitely because that's what they, the pattern, yeah, I get that. So this is a really great, um, you know, figure that he gives because he puts the brain at the bottom all the way to the cortical, and then he puts the uh, different processes that it's in charge of Right, like yeah. The hierarchy from the bottom to the top, from the brainstem to the top.
1: Yeah, and I think in the midbrain, uh, there's there's like the arousal response, which mm-hmm. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's the fight or flight. That's the
0: yeah. It sounds about yes.
1: Yeah, and that also that's a huge one that gets um, that gets um, out of whack. You know, it's it's they're always in some sort of they're heightened arousal all yeah. the time.
0: Yeah, so this figure really brought it home to me because I'm not going – he did talk about the brain and neuroscience, and I love it. But sometimes I get – my brain doesn't focus on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I stop following it, yeah, and I'm audible. Yeah. I'm, like, pushing, like, 15 seconds back each time. I'm like, darn it! <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, it, he,
1: he, does it, he does it well, but I, I don't think I could explain it half as well as he could. And I, even in the book, he said, you know, he had to – it took years for him – to be able to to modify it to get people of all different ages and different professions to understand what he was talking about, I think he yeah. did a class. Uh, well, that same example of that kid who who had to go back and um, teach all these different social skills, um, he had to have a discussion with the class about the brain, and he was a little mm-hmm. nervous because they were young kids, and and you know, like I said, the brain's very complex, and he's, you know, I'm sure he probably drew this exact you know pyramid. hmm yep. So
0: maybe put some faces on it yeah you know <laughs> I, like, made it you know, made it kids. easier to follow <laughs> yeah so the hierarchy of the brain the neuroscience behind it i love neuroscience i'm a big fan of it i listen to other podcasts like dr huberman he talks about neuroscience mm. and how to deal with anxiety and eating disorders and all that good stuff so yeah, it's, it's great it's very interesting um so we got to talk about him one time yeah he's a great man Oh, he's a great researcher i don't i don't really know him personally you
1: know be. you're not yet not yet at least we're
0: yeah. not we're not bros yet <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day um so yeah and we talked about brain anatomy and we talked about treating the children in unique cases dignity respect uh i really want to touch base on cps and i was appalled like in I know we're short staffed.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, I think we had to take into account too, it was probably in the late 80s, mid 90s, about the time that he was. Yeah. You know, if we look back at the, you know, some of the stories like Waco, I know that was in the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would hope um, the system is not as. They don't. Not a lot of people. Yeah, well, not a lot of people (laughs) fall through the cracks, but I know, you know, just from very brief work, you know, talking to other social workers, it really hasn't changed that much. I mean, the the it still is what we said earlier, which is overworked, way too many cases, yeah, underpaid, long hours. You know, that really hasn't changed that much.
0: You know what? I hope has changed hmm. is that, and I remember this because I had a friend who was a foster child, and her parents wanted to adopt her, and so she had a uh, a foster um, what do you call them? C- of cps worker oh yeah social worker social worker yeah so one thing i do remember is back in the 90s because you don't know i'm a 90s kid i was born in the 80s i'm the elder millennial <laughs> so i remember that they used to do this thing and dr perry talks about it that they would take the foster children and they would move them every few months to different foster parents yeah. and it's like Children thrive off the of consistency. I could intuitively the tell you. The brain
1: consistency. I'm like Mama P in the book. Yeah. I can't
0: tell you intuitively what children Yeah, do. yeah. You constantly put them in these new environments that cause stress. It's yeah. going to be like a trauma response every single time. Every
1: time. Yeah, no, that's so right. Um, that actually makes me think of that. Um, okay. The chapter with, uh, uh, I think, Virginia, when she had the, the her, her child had the um, uh, failure to thrive. Oh, Because yeah. she was in foster care, and she found this one that's family yep. um, that really clicked with her yep. up until she was 18. And then they said, well, you know, if you want to keep fostering kids, you know, you can't hang on to them.
0: I know. And,
1: and they, I think the way they had put it was like she lost contact with them.
0: Yeah, she couldn't even contact them. I hope she's contacted them now. Yeah, and which is crazy. awful.
1: Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's efficiency.
0: Well, with my friend, this is a true story. They were trying to adopt her, but my friend's foster parents ended up divorcing mm. and so the social worker mm-hmm. who was probably a mama p type mm-hmm. with virginia mama p was really great she gave kids which they intuitively needed it in the book for with virginia she actually helped virginia and her child we're not going to talk about that but you should read the book that story yes. great but um the mama p social worker actually lost she was my best she's my best friend growing up lost her file
1: Oh. So
0: she stayed with her foster mom after the divorce the entire time. Wow. So and she still considers that's her family. Wow. That's, yeah.
1: you know, and that, you know, unfortunately it's sad that that's the length some people have to go. CPS workers where a file has to conveniently be lost
0: be keep, Yeah. to do the archived. to, to oh, do, I don't know
1: to the yeah, and it shouldn't be having to to find ways to get around these Really odd policies.
0: Yeah, because the the really social odd. worker was like, she's in a really good place. Yeah,
1: why would you why would you mess with a good thing?
0: Yeah, you know. And so exactly, and this is probably the only time it's okay that the social workers had too many cases. Yeah, you know, like yeah, um, but it doesn't always work out. Right. So we have to have a better system.
1: Yeah, yeah, and even with counselors.
0: Let's go change the world, Christian. Let's do it. Let's make the system. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so let's see Um, so I guess we should get into our first chapter right (laughs) here we go alright so um, I think this one is by far my uh, my favorite even though they're all uh, stories are really horrible and and tragic I think this one really piqued my interest Um, because the other ones were of cases that you know we I wouldn't have heard of either specific clients that you know we wouldn't we wouldn't know otherwise other than him sharing but I think this one piqued my interest because it was um i'm a 90s baby but i was born directly in the 90s so yeah. 94 so i think this happened the waco uh, massacre happened in 93
0: and not to tell my age but i was 10 years old yeah <laughs> and i remember this being in the news so right i was like what is this dude i remember seeing it on the news in the bedroom with my parents when we watched where we watch, watch tv
1: yeah
0: and I was just like, what is going on? Yeah.
1: I can't even imagine. Um, and I, you know, didn't really know the story too well, but I remember, I remember the name Waco and I remember th- I remember knowing that that was a, that was a, a bad thing that happened. Right. Yeah. So, um, when he, you know, shared that he was one of the psychiatrists, uh, one of the clinical workers who were working with the children of that, um, <laughs> see, bless you, you. See, that was
0: a sneeze <laughs> Keep going.
1: Um, I was like, wow, you know, uh, he's, he's really been in a lot of different situations. Um, and I ended up, I think watching, after I read this chapter, I watched a, um, a documentary on it and what an absolute shit show. Yeah. What a shit show. It,
0: he's a shithead.
1: Yeah. I mean, David Koresh, um, he just had, he was a cult leader. I mean, he, he, I, he had the same effect. I think, um, who was the guy who, um.
0: The Kool-Aid guy?
1: No. Um, Charles Manson, not Manson, right? The one who, uh, in the 70s, he got yep. all those people to kill. I
0: think you're right. Yeah, yeah. he
1: just had that kind of just this odd charisma to him.
0: Oh, yeah, they always do. They always have that charisma.
1: Yeah, yep, that's him. Yeah, Charles Manson. Charles
0: Manson, yeah. Yeah,
1: he, he kind of reminded me of him a little bit. Um, and I'm sure there's other there's other um, cult leaders that you know also follow this same pattern. But uh, from what I learned, he, he just, he, he had this, like... Conviction behind him that that grew this this following, and then um, when they saw him as you know, I guess the next Jesus, um,
0: he kind of looked like
1: Jesus yeah, he, in like
0: photos he, that I've seen.
1: Yeah, he would let his beard grow really long and his hair grow really long. Oh, you're
0: not talking about Manson. You're no, no
1: yeah, of, fresh, oh, but okay, he, he did. He did like yeah. David did let his beard grow. He long did the same basically. thing.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've seen pictures of the yeah.
1: Yeah, um, so. He just did these odd things, um, where he would like tell people what they ate, what they could pair with their food, who they could marry, who they could be with and all these different things. Um, and in the documentary, Dr. Perry was actually kind of in it for like a hot second. Um, and he was just kind of saying that, uh, you know, this guy was a master manipulator by being able to just find just kooky things to be really controlling about, um, And, you know, starting small and kind of going big. And um, unfortunately, uh, they were they were very militant. Yeah. And um, apparently a UPS driver was delivering this box of grenades and the box opened. And I guess the UPS driver was like, well, that's weird. So he ended up uh, reporting it. And then that's when law enforcement got involved. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, it became a bit of a... Standoff. Uh, yeah, it, I you know in Layman's turn it was kind of a dick measuring contest. I mean,
0: oh, with the military. Yeah, yeah.
1: because they you know they were gonna go in and just take over the place. And I think uh, the car got lost, and they asked for directions, and one of the people they asked was a Davidian, so they warned the oh the people. No. Uh, and so when they arrived, they just started shooting at the FBI and actually killed, like, three or four agents. And that's when the FBI was like, all right, well, this is personal now. Yeah. And they actually shot David. Oh, wow. He, yeah, they shot him, and he was going to die. Or they thought he, he – there was, like, a, a recorded call to his mom saying, you know, this is it. I'll see you in the skies. I tried to be peaceful and um, ended up living. And uh, it was just such a massive uh, – Blunder on the FBI that they could have taken Koresh, they could have just arrested him on his own because he would leave the compound up yeah. until the siege started. But they wanted to prove a point that yeah. you know that they they could they could take down this thing and it just escalated. But anyway, um, he only let out like a certain amount of kids, yeah, and that's the kids that Dr. Perry got to work with,
0: which I thought was like thirty, but it's only really what was it seven. I don't, so I don't remember they, the name. I I, I I don't remember. Like, I don't know why I thought 30 or 20. It was... It uh, was.
1: But it was the only kids he let out because then yeah. after that, um, he just... That was it. That was the only kids to be let out.
0: Oh, I wanted to say something because I just, like, looked on the Googles. And apparently, they could have got him a long time ago for killing his prophetess, Lewis Rodden, mm. when she was in her 860s. Yeah. Um, I guess she died in a power struggle with him. And he and his followers, I think there were seven of them at the time, they went on trial for attempted murder. But they were acquitted and a mistrial was declared in Caress's David Caress, like Caress or Cresh. Oh my gosh. Case. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. They could have gotten him a long time ago, but once again. Our system. There's the theme.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the
0: system is. Uh,
1: they they wanted not to do working. it their way, and and unfortunately, um, I think Dr. Perry even mentioned after he learned they learned so much from those kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: much about the way they lived, what their norms were, and how how dangerous they were. I mean, they would they would draw. It, it was mentioned in the book, and it was also kind of mentioned in the in the um, documentary. They they would draw these pictures of the compound and it would be on fire and they'd be so ominous they'd be like you know dr perry what does that mean like you'll find out yeah you know and it was like wow like they were they weren't kidding around that's terrible yeah yeah um
0: and they would like put the gut like you said
1: oh yeah they they you you know they were very um they could they could handle the weapon i mean they were they were Raised to be very militant.
0: What really called out to me was one of the girls picked up the toy guns they had mm-hmm. because they purposely brought them in and they looked like real guns, but one of the girls picked them up and she turned it around and she's like, this isn't a gun.
1: Yeah. This isn't
0: real. Like yeah. she knew immediately it right. was not real. And I right. was like, what? Yeah. At that age, I was like, keep guns away from me.
1: Right. Yeah. They, they were on a whole...
0: And, and the workers would come in and say, and they would say to them, are you here to kill us? Are you the Are, are you the Babylonians are here yeah. to kill us?
1: Yeah, they were, They. I mean, I couldn't imagine the amount of stress. I mean, like not only being in that compound was stressful already for a kid. I know, um, didn't mention in the book that I can remember, but I know in the documentary, one of the surviving children who eventually grew up was like, they remember just, they would get beat all the time.
0: Yeah, for nothing.
1: For nothing. But it was purely to make them so submissive. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I remember feeling I couldn't do anything right. Yeah. And always in this fear of, you know, what was I going to do wrong?
0: Exactly, yeah. And that's what he used. Like, right. He, they were walking on eggshells.
1: So not only that, but then you have these Babylonians who were prophesied to come and destroy everything you know, mm-hmm. come up with all these guns. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't look anything like you've ever seen before. They have tanks. Yeah. And then you're just put in this little, little, you know, house with this, all these strangers. Yeah. You know.
0: They're there to kill you that you think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were like, they, you know, I couldn't even imagine the amount of stress they were probably under.
0: Yeah. And they wanted to separate them, right? But there wasn't enough room in the CPS system to take them.
1: Yeah. They were I, they were just going to pluck them and just put them in the system. And I think. Um,
0: By sure luck.
1: Yeah. Either. Th- I don't remember if Dr. Perry had any say in it, but I I, I remember he was not for that idea.
0: Yeah, um, and it was he, like Sherlock, right?
1: Yeah, and he kind of he kind of realized, um, you know, just give them some routine. Yeah, just routine. Some sort of normalcy because mm-hmm. this whole thing is traumatic.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. in that compound, and they were able to kind of like get at that and going back to the idea of consistency, which was one of the main themes of that chapter, or we talking about themes? Yeah. The consistency is a way that children with trauma heal, right? Being able to trust the adult, the yes. Babylonian in this case. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about consistency, we really, when we talk about trauma with children, Dr Perry really makes a case in this chapter about how we want to make sure that we don't force children to share trauma. Because I'm not sure if it's this chapter cuz there's so many great points he made throughout this entire book. Yeah. But there was some point where he says that if you force somebody to relive the trauma, there are a lot of science there's a lot of scientific evidence that supports that it could actually cause more trauma. Yeah. I- so just uh routine and calmness and just letting the child be who they are and they they will tell you.
1: Yeah. And it's also what their trauma um, was. You know, if you're if you're coming into their world,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, how are they, you know, you can't assume or expect them to just trust you. Exactly. And so the only way you can build that trust and that rapport is you know, just being with them and and setting a routine that they know is going to happen every day and setting a pattern and setting some, you know, clear boundaries and yep. you know. Um,
0: Only allowing certain people who had time, right? Because that was one thing they were doing when he showed up. They were just having different healthcare workers. Yes. Whoever could give time. Right. And it wasn't consistent.
1: Yeah, because this was like a 51-day siege. I mean, yeah. 51 days. 51 days. That's a long time. With
0: children asking if their parents were dead yet.
1: Yeah. Yet. Yeah. They said yet. And unfortunately. Or
0: they said that my mom's dead.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, there was a time when it was it, it appeared that it was going to get resolved. Um, They allowed David to record a a message that they were going to play out to the radio stations in Texas, and they did what they said, what he said, and uh, he changed his mind. Oh, yeah. And the FBI was... Because he had to
0: predict, you know, he predicted this was going to happen.
1: Yep, and the FBI got pissed, and they started um, taunting them, you know, flying helicopters over them, you know, with with, uh, spotlights and playing loud noises throughout the night, you know, just psychologically trying to antagonize these people, but it only proved his point, you know, David's prediction more, which was that these people have no good intentions for us. Yeah. And so they went out with a with a blaze, you know, yeah. they they would have rather, he he took everyone out, so
0: I feel like he knew what was going to happen. Not because he was predictor of the future. I just think he knew that if he per the police in a certain way mm-hmm. especially the waco police yeah and or the fbi whoever that they were going to respond that way
1: yeah well i think too there was a at that time there was a lot of distrust for government yeah and um you know kind of the actions like both sides are to blame for for what happened yeah um, But I think...
0: And he's a master manipulator, too.
1: Yeah. And Dr. Perry even says they were trying to deal with this man as if he was a con man and not... Yes. That was the
0: problem. Yeah.
1: Not as someone who had this deep psychological you know pull a re- yeah. on these people
0: religious leader yeah he was a religious leader even he, though he
1: wasn't yeah he wasn't, was he was a con was a cult, but they but. truly saw him as as the you know the next son of god you and know? he
0: thought he was
1: yeah he genuinely believed so, it
0: he took whatever he thought yeah
1: and i thought it was sad that dr perry you know several times he kept telling them i'm telling you you know these kids are burning they they're they're drawing burning buildings like something bad there is an end game if you keep pushing these people something's gonna happen and they just
0: yeah it's being predicted by the children and let's go like a little deeper into like the actual therapy he used Mm -hmm. Sure. because he used art therapy because he was asking these children like asking questions and they weren't Forthcoming, mm-hmm. They were just going to say, my parents are dead or something like that. They would just yeah. give like one word yeah. answers and the way they played with the guns, yeah. they knew how to use guns with the toy guns, the art therapy he employed and he would just sit down and draw with them Yeah, and they would, as you said, they would draw things burning, things blowing up. I think there was bombs being thrown. Is that what, yeah. like on the buildings or something yeah, like
1: that? It always had to do something. It always went back to some sort of fiery Explosion or something, you know? So, yeah, no, that's true. And I mean, that's what I was talking about, thinking outside the box. Instead of treating these kids like, you know, I ask you a question, you give me an answer like you would an adult, he went back to the basics, which was just what do kids do? They draw. They draw. You know?
0: How can I be like a a supportive adult figure for this child?
1: And I think they call when, you know, you're playing beside someone, they call that parallel play. Oh, yeah, okay. And so that's essentially he's drawing beside them. He's just in the room doing the same activity, yeah. but not, you know, nothing far from that.
0: And, and our, yeah, our child therapists probably are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're probably really, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. Our, it sounds... our well-versed
0: child therapists out there.
1: And it's crazy because it sounds so like, duh, but yeah. back then, <laughs> back then it was like, you know, that the science and the the data and the way of thinking hadn't come about yet. It was just being formed with this. Yeah. I feel like.
0: Yeah. The 90s were crazy.
1: Yeah. no the, <laughs>
0: Like 1993, shit went down. Yeah. Because that's when shit went down in the satanic panic, right?
1: Yeah, like, that one was also another crazy one. And actually, um, that actually kind of brings us into the next chapter, right?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Dr. Perry, satanic panic. Yes. So we're going to talk about satanic panic that swept the nation in the early late 80s, early 1990s, and this also comes into play with memory wars that were going on, which they thought that children, everybody had some sort of abuse in their childhood and you were able to retrieve it via your memories. Well, nowadays we know memories aren't so great and they can be edited. But in the early 1990s, in Glenmore, Texas, A seven-year-old boy, Bobby Vernon Jr., was lying in a hospital in 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 an irreversible coma, having been pushed down a flight of stairs by his recently adopted father. Both his adopted father and his wife had then committed suicide after other adopted and foster children were taken away following Bobby's hospitalization. The father by shooting himself in the head and the next day the mother by an overdose. Bobby's seven-year-old skull had been fractured, and he had severe brain damage. Little Bobby had refused to continue running up and down the stairs, which he had been being forced to do by his adopted parents. According to his siblings who witnessed the assault, either one or both of the adults had smashed his head on the wooden floor until the back of his head was mushy. Mm. To make matters worse... When the adults finally stopped the beating long enough to realize that the boy was unconscious, instead of calling nine one one immediately, they waited an hour—a oh. whole effing hour. Jesus.
1: Yeah. When I when I just rehearing that paragraph, I remember the the first time hearing it. I remember I was I was I was driving. Um, I was driving to get groceries, and I remember I was like, I it's, dumbfounded. I mean.
0: God makes you cringy, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that was the first time that I had, um, you know, really just was like, God, this is awful, awful. Like I can't even put in the words how awful that this kid had no
0: CPS workers too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the 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 parents that these workers placed him with. And now he's in an uh, irreversible coma. Yeah. I mean, an hour after they'd beaten him.
0: Oh. Do you, you remember the spraying of Windex in the child's face to successfully, like, to uh, revive him? Which Ugh. was unsuccessful because they made him brain damage. Yeah. Like.
1: Yeah. I mean.
0: Obviously, Bobby passed on because yep. it was yeah, no, not. Not he a was in a coma. In
1: my mind that that's and probably what happened.
0: Dr. Uh, Perry doesn't say that in the chapter mm. which is you know probably a trigger we probably should have said trigger warning on yeah child abuse a boost a boost yeah but yeah trigger warning y'all <laughs> we should probably go back and say trigger warning
1: so when did you when did you how did you find out that he ended up or did you just kind of infer that
0: i inferred it because yeah. it said it was irreversible in yeah. the chapter so that usually means there's no brain activity so then right. they'll take off life support it's just yeah. the it's
1: Yeah, he 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 hinted that like
0: he's brain dead. There's no way he's gonna come back from that. mm, So, gosh, EMS workers that showed up, they were appalled and disgusted by what they saw, and they said, "We have to like mandate report you." And they mandated reported them to the child service agency.
1: The people who gave them,
0: yeah, (laughs) and then they, uh, what did they do? Oh, they were informed that they were actually employed by CPS. The child service, so, oh, God. yeah, there and theirs was a therapeutic home, yeah. so yeah, they were using un like unscientific approaches. Yeah,
1: I think I think the the it was it was called uh, the holding technique.
0: Oh yeah, And oh, it was yeah.
1: by some some psychiatrist or psychologist in in California, yeah, um, who obviously was a little overconfident in his knowledge of trauma, um, suggested that. A great technique, I think, If correct me if I'm wrong, was um, basically you, you know, um, strip these kids down and you take your knuckles and you rake it across their ribs yeah. until they're just bruised. bruised. Yeah. And, um, But they would also like taunt them and, and agitate them and get them to um, like, r- like retell their, whatever trauma that they were having. Yeah. Um, because in whatever this guy's psychologist mind was that like, um, you know, trauma is like, you know, pressurized. And if you just let it out, then that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the key to relieving trauma. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was almost like a torture technique because they wouldn't, they, at the same time this was happening, Um, it, there was a panic of satanic rituals. And, yeah, and cults, yeah. So they were kind of using this as a way to, um, get these kids to admit that their parents were part of the satanic cult.
0: Because they were trying to like get these subconscious memories they thought were there. Right? Mm-hmm. And so like Um, these kids were just saying anything. I would say anything to get them to fucking stop abusing me. Yeah. So they go from one abuse, because a couple of these children were actually abused. The rest of them were not. All these children were taken from the home. This was a witch hunt.
1: Yeah. Like a
0: modern-day witch hunt.
1: Right. And I I, I think it started with uh, the the Vernon children, right?
0: Yeah, the Vernon children, yes.
1: So these children um, from the Vernon family, I guess, were taken from their home. Yep. um, Because there was uh, some speculations of sexual assault. Yep. Um but then it turned into a whole satanic witch hunt. Yeah. Um in the whole in the whole town, right? It was like a whole town that was swept up in this idea.
0: Oh yeah. Well, yeah, half the town believed it, half the town was like you guys are crazy. Right. Like why are you? This is no. Yeah. This is ridiculous and it was all stemming from um you know, memories are real. You can pull them back up. Everybody's experienced trauma, which is probably or abuse, well, which it's not uncommon for mm-hmm. children to get abused. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's cool. But it's not cool that children are abused. But yeah. it's like, yes, we can accept that. But memories are not per- permanent. In fact, they can be edited. Mm-hmm. And as studies have been supporting, and they can also children are very impressionable suggest- right? yeah impressionable yeah and so you can make them or anybody really you can make somebody think that they had a memory that they didn't have and do- there has been studies that have done this you know anything from seeing demons to uh having something they didn't have for dinner
1: right you know so right. it's like crazy and then and then you add in you know pain and and torture
0: oh yeah you it's know. like they go from one abuse to another.
1: Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the, the theme we talked about earlier that, you know, children don't have a lot of autonomy. Yeah. So, you know, they're placed in the care of these, quote, therapeutic families who, yeah. in their minds, thought they were doing what was best, you know, what was the scientific thing to do. Yeah. And these poor kids were just...
0: Poorly trained therapists, too.
1: Yeah. And they, these poor kids were just, you know, abused horribly. Yeah, like no autonomy, no no way to get out, no say, you know. Yeah, and
0: and it yeah, and it didn't help at the time that there was a death of a cheerleader, mm-hmm. which was all signs point to that was the boyfriend, because they right. found this car that he got rid of, and there yeah. was like a a it was immaculate, and a piece had been cutting a cut out of the carpet, mm. so they were trying to pinpoint these Vernon and this like satanic ritual, like satanic cult they thought was happening in Texas, right. And Man, Texas, yeah, all over the country actually, because mm-hmm. we have like the the West Memphis Three, mm-hmm. which were three teenage boys, who one of them was just Gothic and Wiccan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his name was Damien, and another boy's best friend Jason, and another kid that didn't even know the other two kids, and he was de- developmentally disabled. And the cops coerced him into giving a false exception. I didn't tell you what they actually, (laughs) the Memphis Three, they were accused for killing three children in satanic ritual.
1: Mm, Right. So it was the same sort of.
0: Yeah. And the judge and everybody thought that they were just because of that. And there was no substantial evidence, just like with this case that we're going to talk about, no uh, substantial evidence that would support an, um, Beyond a reasonable doubt yeah, to like, hold up in a court,
1: right? That there was a presence of any satanic, yeah, sort of. They just didn't
0: like that he he dressed in black, and yeah. it didn't help his case that Damien would was a teenager, yeah. And he's gonna go around and be rebellious, and he's gonna tell you, yeah, I do, yeah, because he doesn't care, yeah. He but just wants now to piss you off. He, he didn't really think he was gonna get in trouble either, yeah, and. Unlike this, what th- this uh, they actually proved that there was satanic rituals um, didn't happen and they actually let the parents off that uh, that the children were taken from a lot because none of them really.
1: Well, it was interesting the way that um, Dr. Perry was actually able to, to kind of help those parents get custody back of their kids because yes, he, yeah. he used, he knew what he the brain uh, anatomy and like yes. how heart rate increases when, um, you know, you're talking about or, th- or reliving a tra- traumatizing experience. Yes, yeah. So he was able to, um, you know, put these kids up to a heart monitor and ask them, you know, did your parents really cut off the head of a dog and, you know... You All know, that, you, yeah. Know, and not a single, not you know, the heart rate but they said yes. Consistent. But, yeah, they
0: were yeah. saying yes and the, the heart rate was consistent. Well, they'd be like,
1: yeah, I said that, you know, and, you know, I was just... And it, heart rate would stay the same. But when he talked about the experience of being, you know, the raking or the the holding, the heart rate would increase. Increase,
0: increase the actual and that's how, abuse, and yeah. that's how
1: he knew. Okay, that's real trauma. That's a real story. That's the difference between, you know, telling, being, saying whatever they wanted them to say in order for that horrible thing to stop, and the truth. Mm-hmm. And they were actually able to then kind of connect it back to the Vernon family because they went, he went all the way back to where this whole thing sort of started with the with the Vernon children. And he used that method to uncover that there was, in fact, sexual abuse happening. And he got those kids removed from yeah, that family. from that, yes. And, and the, the kids back to the, to the parents that were, were originally accused.
0: Yeah, because they were accusing a lot. If they didn't like the family, excuse me, if they didn't like the family... They took the kids. Mm-hmm. The CPS workers. So the CPS workers did kind of go crazy. Yeah, and that's what the uh, pro- the state attorney was worried about. Mm-hmm. That when they called Dr. Bruce in, yeah, or Dr. Perry, they yeah. were they're like they've done not gone crazy.
1: Yeah, it it's something so, like, kind of like David Koresh, something just took over in these yeah, and these people and they just, just wanted.
0: They were out for like blood. Even the main prosecutor they blame the police officer who randomly was on duty that night and who was placed in charge of that the cheerleader's death to to like investigate investigate and he's told them he's like there's no satanic cult there's no evidence there's no nothing and the main prosecutor said if you say something against me i will End your life, or I will make your life hell. Yeah. And he sure did.
1: Yeah, I think he. he did it. Uh, the officer, I think, is in jail or yeah, something. Yeah, he's
0: like in jail, that. and I, they finally acquitted everything. But mm-hmm. they put him in jail. They like they were they thought he was in the satanic cult. Yeah. He got accused, and it, like the CPS workers were taking away children from families that they didn't like the family, and if they liked the family, they wouldn't take the children away. Cause, yeah. You know. Yeah. Because what was happening? The Vernon children were just staying everybody in there during these holding sessions. You yeah. know it's crazy and you're right i'm glad that he was able because dr perry had a big conundrum because he had to disprove this yeah and even he was
1: like how the heck do i do this yeah and, and he
0: even his own staff he said was having satanic panic yeah and he was accused of it yeah but like how do you accuse somebody who's not from there <laughs> it was like an underground thing but, yeah yeah yeah. but using that heart rate was like a true serum it's mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. we know that, um, it was a
1: great lie detector.
0: Yeah. Lie detector tests don't work, but it's like, it's a, it's a crisis detector, trauma detector,
1: trauma detector. I like that. Yeah. Trauma it,
0: detector for kids.
1: For kids. Exactly.
0: Yeah. To help us to really real cause memories are not real right. a lot of times. And
1: I, and I kind of like the idea of through him knowing the science, he almost gave their voice back. Yeah. Because if you think about it, if they, you know, at that point, no matter what they said, their credibility was lost. Yeah. And, but th- and that's what they said. Their credibility yeah. was taken from them.
0: Exactly. And
1: it's almost like uh, Dr. Dr. Perry was able to give it back to them.
0: Yeah. Those poor, just could you imagine being one of those children?
1: No. mm This, this like, one chapter, this one really, I mean, all of them stick with me in some kind of way, but this was the first one that, you know, really struck me.
0: Yeah. Now I know why he has, like, a, a co-authored book with Oprah.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Like,
0: he's just, um, I wasn't a big fan of some of his wording, like, he used pansexual in a negative connotation, mm-hmm. which isn't great for the LGB plus community. Gotcha um
1: so there's a little bit of cultural considerations that yeah yeah.
0: and it's you know this book was written and he even what year it was written i think nine it was like yeah it might have been late early 2000s maybe um we should probably look that up before we but like he um it's
1: so hard because the audible it's like a new edition
0: yeah 2006 and then it was rewritten 2007 so like wording is going to be off but He did do like negative connotation in terms of like the Vernon family being historically pansexual and yeah, I think he actually the way he said it was like this is a little bit of
1: family therapy for y'all. But um, there was a little bit of uh, some generational trauma that was being passed down in the Vernon family because it was the grandfather who had abused.
0: The, fa- yeah, the their, father, the right? father
1: and the yeah. s- his sister, and then the father was doing the same thing. So Take
0: the little, yeah,
1: got a little Bowen figure theory- therapy going on. Oh
0: there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that's the uh, what do we call that? The vertical stressors, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Passed down through jit- hair yep. her- yeah. The hierarchy, the hair. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Words tonight. Yeah, tough. Uh, every day.
1: Well, this kind of goes into uh, another kind of crazy um, uh, case he was on. Was uh, oh yeah, one we had to. Uh, deal with a murderer so we'll kind of get to that one next
0: oh yeah that's a good one boy man had brutally murdered two people he'd seen his two young victims in an elevator in the high-rise building where he lived although it was only three or four in the afternoon he'd already been drinking beer he had crudely propositioned the teenagers when the girls not surprisingly rejected him he followed them into an apartment and apparently after a physical confrontation stabbed both of them to death with a table knife Charisse was 12, and her friend Lucy was 13. Both were barely pubescent. The attack had happened so fast, and Leon was so much stronger than his victim that neither girl had been able to defend herself. He managed to quickly restrain Charisse with a belt. After that, while Lucy tried to fight him off, he killed her, and then, either to avoid leaving a witness or, still in a rage, slaughtered the bound girl as well. She wouldn't leave her friend. Mm -hmm. She wasn't going to leave her friend. Yeah. She's like, I'm going down, like... He's not fucking doing this. Yeah. Um, slaughtered the bound girl. So he, she actually watched her friend being murdered. How fucking fucked up is that? Mm. He then raped both bodies. His hang, his anger still not slated. He kicked and stomped them. Apparently, her neck had been stomped. Like one of the girls' necks had been stomped. And he said he accidentally fell. Because he was drunk multiple
1: times, multiple times on the same spot, yeah, with his foot.
0: Yeah, oh, he and he had his lawyer believe in him, hmm. though he had he had often been in trouble with the law, she got a lot more trouble. Leon's record didn't indicate that he was capable of anything like this level of violence. That's not true because he stole that bike mm-hmm. and like brutally, but they couldn't prove that he did it, yeah. His parents were hardworking, married, legal immigrants, solid citizens without criminal histories. His families had never been involved with child protective services. There was no history of abuse, nor foster care placements, nor any... Okay, I think you got it.
1: Yeah. No, I think that was... He was often
0: described as having little to no empathy, remorseful, remorseless, callous, indifferent to most of the consequences set up in school or juvenile detention.
1: Yeah, that one... um... Gives
0: me Ted Bundy vibes.
1: Yeah, I think that was the first time I was like, wow, I mean, he's face-to-face with a murderer. A murderer child. A
0: murderer child, yeah. A
1: murderer child, I mean... A
0: drunk murderer child. Well, exact- he's not drunk at the time, but, he, like,
1: yeah. I mean, 16, this kid would sound like he was plastered. I mean, that's not... Yeah. That's not... It's not a usual thing to do on, like, a whatever Tuesday night that they... Three
0: or four in the afternoon. Yeah,
1: exactly. Day so, drinking. So... That that uh, immediately piqued my interest in like oh my god like because some of it uh, tell me if I'm if I'm speaking for you but reading this I was kind of like what the f- would I do if someone was like all right you know you're trained you're ready to go hey go this is the case go talk to the 16 year old kid who just murdered somebody and you need to oh figure out if they're I'll be like what oh my god was this before or after Waco I mean I feel like like. This man has had... I mean, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, I was like, I don't. I don't think a, n- enough amount of training would ever make me feel like I was ready to do that.
0: Yeah. He doesn't give a date.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> th- we don't when. know where chronologically he is, but I mean, I, I, I don't think it merely would matter. I feel like he may have been like, okay,
0: it here was we a, go. Yeah, and I, he was called to actually... Because we're going to be asked to do this, like... Um, it was like Asked a, to do some court appearances to... Because yeah. he was going to give an evaluation to the judge for sentencing, yeah. right?
1: I think they were trying to figure out um, was he psychologically fit to stand trial, right? Yeah. Because they couldn't tell. I think the way his background read, it was like, this kid's obviously, obviously like, he's sociopathic. He's not right. Like, he's doing stuff that a 16-year-old kid shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And so they were like, you know... Was he made, or is he born like this?
0: And that's an important question. Yeah. So let's let's unpack that. Yeah. So there's a background story that Dr. Bruce was... I keep calling him Dr. Anyways, Bruce. Anyways,
1: you're not wrong. Dr. Bruce Payton. Dr. Dude, man. Dr. Dude, man.
0: Which is what I've been calling him <laughs> <laughs> off of the podcast recording. So, like, unpacking this story, he was able to get to the actual, like, meat.
1: Yes. I think he got as far down as you can go... Before you're like, I don't know, right? Like he had, like why he, he, is he had, he is. yeah, I think he was able to dissect where in his development yes, that's he, what he milestones were missed, but it was kind of back to what we were talking about maybe in the themes, which was, you know, if somebody has a predisposition to be a more of an anxious person. Yeah. It's like he may have been predisposed predispos-
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
1: that word. Yeah, um, that word. You to, want me be, to, to be sociopathic. Yeah. But, you know, it could have been avoided, but it was brought out even further. It was
0: nurtured, yeah.
1: It was nurtured into him. Um,
0: Unknowingly nurtured.
1: Yeah, but what's also odd about this case, too, is that you see his older brother, and he's... You know, not the exact opposite of Leanne. He's, you know, just a, a neurotypical kid. He's very sensitive. He gets empathy. He's happy-go-lucky. Um, you know, just not this brutal killer sitting across the desk from Dr. Perry. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, the conundrum was like, how can this kid be like this? And his younger brother be this brutal, aggressive,
0: delinquent. Yeah, and let's talk about how, like, Dr. Bruce Dudeman, Perry, was able to, like, pull this out of the developmental stage. Like, have a son who is very well developed because developed in society. In fact, um, he's the reason that leon
1: that's right he called the cops
0: was called because leon yeah. had the bloody boots and he was right. watching the news yeah when he walked in leon was watching the news about the girls and he like put two and two together and he's like oh my god yeah, this and it was in above. their apartment building
1: yeah yeah
0: and so he called the cops and leon eventually said when dr Br- or dr perry asked him what he would do different he was like i would have thrown out the boots
1: Yeah, like in the most logical, like, oh, well, I got caught, so I wouldn't have got caught.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that sounds like true sociopathic. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what
1: He didn't regret that he had had done it. He regrets that he got caught.
0: Yeah, that he got caught. He doesn't regret that he did it. He doesn't feel remorse for that. But he feels remorse that he's in jail.
1: Yes, because it affects him. everybody should
0: be very sad for him.
1: For him, right.
0: Yeah. And you notice, like, the sarcasticness in your voice. Yeah, no, definitely. I, well... Dr. Perry, he actually was able to get to the bottom of this by doing family therapy. Yes. Like a session. Yeah. And he started, the parents were really upset, and he picked up on, like, they don't, they're very sad that this happened. Yeah, they had an appropriate response. They had a very appropriate, so none of them are sociopaths or psychopaths, Mm -hmm. or they have the proper empathy, I should say. Because once again, disclaimer, it's not really a diagnosis, it's uh, anti-social
1: something like disorder that. Yeah. It,
0: and obviously don't self-diagnose other people or yourself. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. PSA, so. <laughs> go to a professional. Yes. There's a lot of things that go into the human psyche. Yes. Um, so it seems to be a thing now on TikTok, <laughs> Like everybody wants to like self
1: diagnose like and it's, it's not a good easy. idea. No, you
0: should always go to a professional, but he brought the going back, um, from my PSA, he brought them into a room and he had a discussion and, and he was just talking to him like he does with Doctor Dude Man's Perry's mo. Yeah, he's just just chatting being him. him. Yeah, and it's like, tell me about the upbringing, and she, the mother. Who he picked up on was uh, developmentally well, I think at first he, she was
1: very silent, very and the, silent, and the yeah. father kept kind of taking over the answering the questions, and I think he eventually was like, "Well, why don't you let mrs? I don't remember the name, but you know let let Leon's mother answer this question, yeah, and then it came out that she was developmental or cognitively on, challenged
0: cognitively or, challenged yeah. is a great way to say it. I need to work on that um, so came out that she was cognitively challenged. And back where they had come from, she had a full support system mm-hmm. for the first child.
1: You had extended family. Because um, if I remember, the their, their yeah. nationality, they were they were first or second generation from immigrants, right? Like they had, I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so they had a very strong connection.
1: Yeah, they had an interger- intergenerational, multi-generational.
0: Multi-generational, like whenever uh, the mother, uh, I think her name was Laura. Let's just call her Laura. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't call the dad Bob, because I really forget his name. You guys can read this book. Um.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, it's uh, Alan is the father, and oh, Korea okay. cool. was the the mother.
0: Yeah, so just after, and it was Frank who was the oldest born, and just after he was born, they had this extensive, Maria was ex, uh, the extensive like support network they would take over when she was overwhelmed.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which okay. was so important. But then...
1: So that explains first brother. Like, you can kind of see, okay... He's very, yeah. So what happened... Very empathetic, What yeah. happened for second brother? And it kind of came out that Alan had an, a, a promotion or a job change. Yeah. And so they had to move.
0: Yeah. his his Yeah, Leon's father had that job change. And Maria was overwhelmed, right? Yeah. She was sad. She became best friends with Frank.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. And, uh... And, yeah. she was, and
0: then she became pregnant with Leon.
1: Right, right. And so her and Frank, the older brother had kind of their own little routine and this and that. And then when Leon came, um, I think Maria was really struggling to kind of redo all the things she had done with Frank.
0: Yeah, she would stay out of the apartment. She was depressed. Right. She wanted human connection.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if some of that may have been, you know, postpartum depression on top of being in a new place, away from people you love and know. And then then honestly, like, as much as being with your kids is great, I'm sure that, that that doesn't... That's only one piece of the puzzle sometimes you need people yeah. your age to talk to and connect yeah. with so there might have been some loneliness
0: yeah and being cognitively challenged and we're saying this because this is really fucked up part when Leon was born, she found that she was overwhelmed with him mm-hmm. because he would cry all the time
1: yeah as babies do as babies do but they all have different temperaments right they do so, yeah
0: and Frank had a probably a different temperament because mm-hmm. he had so many so much attention right. Right. And Maria, being cognitively challenged and probably depressed, was probably not able to give that same sort of yeah, attention. That attentiveness was which not. Which all same. babies need. Right. And so this is the screwed up part. She would leave Leon at home as a baby.
1: hmm. As she an would, infant. She would make sure he's fed and changed and all that. So in her mind, she was like, well, he's, he's at least not hungry and he's not in dirty diapers. Yes. So then she would leave with Frank to go on these long walks. And keep to up To run errands, routine. right? Yeah. yeah.
0: And long hours, Leon, day after day. The dad would come and play mm-hmm. with them, but he was even tired after being the, the, the sole provider. Mm-hmm. A financial provider, I should say, because, mm-hmm. you know, mother provides too. Yeah. Um, so after a while, she said that he stopped crying, right?
1: Yeah. And he, she thought it
0: was weird she poked him with the safety pin? Or no, that was the other story.
1: <coughs> yeah, I think but I think she took it as a good sign like, oh, okay, my tactic.
0: Yeah, it's My working. tactic
1: is working. He's not as needy. Yeah. But in Dr. Perry knew that that's actually really bad.
0: That's a really bad that's sign.
1: That's a really bad sign.
0: Like with the other mother whose baby was also fussy.
1: He was also very
0: cry, I think Yeah, and and he had autism us uh, and but um she didn't knowingly leave. Yeah, they, it was the
1: babysitter. She had a, a day job yeah. and, and left and would come back just in time before the parents came back until one the day... The babysitter, yeah. mom came. Uh, the mom came back sick. Yeah. She was not feeling well, and she no, realized, the okay. where the heck's my babysitter? And then they finally found out months have gone by where the same thing was happening to Leon, which was they were setting them up, making sure they're fed, making sure they're di- You know, yeah, all the, the basic, you know, things were checked off, but then they would leave and that's when like that's the anatomy of the brain comes in because especially as a baby all of that stuff from the bottom to the top is especially um prone to picking up on these different yeah you know these subtle things that you wouldn't think are a big deal but play out way into the future as being really they're really deficient in certain things
0: yeah it's pretty crazy
1: yeah um, so I think he was able to. Um,
0: he was able to come back
1: because yeah. it was only a
0: year and a half, but the damage had been done for yeah. that case. But for Leon's case, yeah, there's no coming back, right? Yeah, is that what you're getting at? Yeah, well,
1: and I think um, too uh, with Leon was that he didn't he didn't want to change. Like he yeah. he had no motivation. He he didn't have the love and connection that he needed. And he learned to just rely on himself. Yeah, from an infant,
0: relationships hurt.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost goes into like attachment styles. He was just like, I'm, yeah, I'm 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 an island. Yeah, Ma, I can't count on mom and dad, so I can't count on anybody. And that just got reinforced. It sounded like,
0: yeah, he, uh, he, yeah. Frank had that human connection. It was consistent. It was available for Leon. It was not. Yeah, and he might have been born with the predestination. Uh, disposition
1: yeah and that's the part that's hard to tell
0: it is that. yeah it's like
1: and I think Dr. Perry had tried to see if there was any lineage of uh, sociopathy but couldn't there wasn't it wasn't like a blatant pattern
0: yeah so I really think in this case the empathy just got broken yeah he's like I was we were having a discussion about this he's a broken person
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and he doesn't feel remorse no so whenever you know Dr. Perry tried to give the or gave the judge his views using um, his neurosequential approach, um, he told the judge he recognized that he had missed out. Mm-hmm. Neurosequential is his therapy that he yeah,
1: uses. That's the name of his, yeah. his te- technique.
0: He had missed out on the touch, the talk, and the interplay as an infant that was needed to develop these healthy connections yeah. with people.
1: Could you imagine though, like this, this, this kid, kid brutally murdered these mm. two, you know, teenage girls. I mean, like, yeah, I think the ages were really young, like 13 and 12. They were, they were pretty young comparatively yeah. to Leon. And could you imagine being the, the professional be like, yeah, he just wasn't touched and played with as a baby. Yeah. I feel like that's not, that yeah. is an answer, but it's, it almost feels like, I bet back then it was like, it's, like I said, it's like, duh, now. But then yeah, it was like, it was like really? really? That was it? That was You it. know?
0: Yeah. But, and there will be arguments, like, there'll be arguments about whether or not he's responsible for his actions now. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be arguments about it's the mother's fault. Yeah. Unknowingly, or like, you know. You could do both sides. Yeah. A lot of, I, I bring up my true crime people, my true crime peeps. Holla. <laughs> <laughs> Morbid podcast all that that they'll argue. Well, a lot of true crime people will argue that everybody is in charge. Like there's some point where you have to like take responsibility mm-hmm. for your actions.
1: And I think that's where Dr. Perry even kind of came to that conclusion as well, because he, did, yeah. he didn't let him, he, he didn't conclude that he wasn't no. able to understand that he, what he'd done is wrong. I think he was able to say that, um, his navigate, the way he navigates situations are very different from everyone else because of everything that happened in the past. But having said that, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He was fully aware of what he was doing. It's yeah. just he didn't have the emotional or, com- you know, the parts in his brain to be compassionate and emotional about yeah. it. And that's the difference.
0: Oh, and oh, Dr. Uh, Perry also said that the he was drunk. Yeah. And it might not have escalated to that if he wasn't drunk. Right. And he even admits that. Leon admitted that to himself. I am so sorry. I just touching t- 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 me. I was like making a point with my hands on the table. Um that was me tapping. Tap tap. Um so yeah, it's just so crazy. But he has to want to do it and it, the want is not there. Maybe cuz he's 18. Maybe yeah, as he he's young. Ages in prison,
1: maybe. But start I don't know. I think what was interesting was that Dr. Perry said like because he was such a just a all around un <laughs> uncontrollable little boy they often put him in classes with other troubled little children
0: oh yeah and he played off
1: of it yeah well and because of that um, that's all he learned that was his peers yeah so they, they, that's right they played off each other and that became his they normal they learned and so they became all little yeah and they be, that that was normal to him
0: and that's what's cool Like, he hadn't been in prison and he already had jailhouse tattoos I yeah. mean come on my dude yeah yeah <laughs> He like, was, he, he, he's, he's like, I'm he's, gonna get some Jill has tattoo. Yeah, so he goes off be like, who wants a Jill yeah. has too?
1: It sounded like he was ready to buy into that, into that kind of lifestyle. And and unfortunately, yeah. him being in prison, it's gonna be the same thing. That's gonna be his new normal. Yeah. And who knows?
0: And once again, it goes back to only connection he would have is he thought of things and people as objects, right? Yes. Like the Jill has tattoo to is like an object that he yeah. wants, and he gets pleasure in objects. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's very superficial, very, very shallow yeah. type of connections to people and things.
0: Yeah. You tell people you love them to get sex. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. You tell people
0: what they want to hear to get what you want. And if they don't give you what you want, you take what you want. Right. Like he even got in trouble and they couldn't prove it for taking a bicycle from a yeah. kid and then brutally like beat him, but they couldn't prove that. Yeah. He just yeah. had the bicycle. Yeah. So it was crazy. Yeah. This is a crazy one. This was, like, very in alignment with my true crime podcast. Yeah, this,
1: this one felt like, uh, you know, like Criminal Minds. Yeah, it did. It, yeah. It, it, it very much felt, and, and it kind of got me interested. Um...
0: In true crime? You want my podcast? I can it.
1: <laughs> Well, it got me interested into, like, how, like, you know, all these murderers and, and serial killers, you know. You know, I always thought you know they were deaf there's a there's a line between nurture and nature, right? Yeah. But I think Dr. Perry really pointed out that while yeah both play into each other, there is a very significant piece that is um, nurture. Yeah. Because because if you mess up nature and you nurture it wrong, it's going to have it's going to blow horrible- up in your face. Exactly. It's both.
0: I really do think it's both. I think you can make a strong support that it's both.
1: I think it was the first time I saw science behind trying to say that it was both because it is. I mean it was definitely yeah, Leon's usually, environment. Yeah. But it was also the the way the human body develops.
0: Yeah, and it's like you always have the arguments that are separate, but it's
1: they're they're one and like the same.
0: When we were taking uh theories, like mm-hmm. it's like nurture and nature, but you can't they're the same. Yeah. Like it's like
1: but we're, but it was we're all
0: connected in this world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was neat to see that uh, he could pinpoint where in nature it was happening, that the nurture started to have a negative cycle playback.
0: Mm -hmm. You
1: know what I mean? And I thought that was really, really cool. Just
0: fascinating. Yeah. I wonder if he had... Because you said something about the psychopathic stare. And it's actually a proven phenomenon. Yeah. So, uh, um, like... We saw it in Ted Bundy. We looked up his picture.
1: Yeah, there's a psychopathic stare where they—they—it's this really intense. They—they—they they, they just make—they lock eyes, and it's like, you ever seen like, <laughs> um, uh, Ted Bundy has it?
0: Oh my God, Ted Bundy um, does have else? it. Who um, uh, else?
1: Jeffrey Dahmer has it. Oh yeah, he does. John Wayne Gacy has it. And John actually, Wayne Gacy. And here's a hot take. <laughs> Do you ever notice that Christian uh, – this is going to be kind of off topic, but we're going to get right back onto it. So Christian Bale got the inspiration for <gasps> – The um,
0: American Psycho. Because
1: yeah. he watched this uh, interview with Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise,
0: I think he kind of got the psychopathic you eyes. You think so? I think I, so, I, too. I think he's
1: a bit of a sociopath. There's nothing behind those eyes. I'm just a hot but, take. Just but at site. the same
0: time, <laughs> that's where nurture comes in because, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'd be curious to talk to, like, you know, Katie Holmes and – What's her name? Nicole Kidman. To yeah. see how their lives yeah. were like with him.
1: Yeah, but like the point is like, <laughs> it, it could be a celebrity, it could be a serial killer, but that there is something to be said that you know, um, people who have that sort of that diagnosis, um, they do operate differently. Yeah. They do perceive the world and see people and navigate through their life in a very different set
0: of rules. They do. And going back to the trauma, um, John Wayne Gacy was beat into an inch of his life by his dad. Yeah. And his dad was really abusive, and that could have the trauma right there. Oh, yeah. You know, because he had this side of him that he was, like, helping charities, he was helping people, like, do this, and he had, like... Different yeah. characters, he yeah. said, and well, then he had the character that was a boy, little boy killer,
1: right. molester. Right. Well, what's mm-hmm. kind of like the last point here? What I find interesting is there's case like John Wayne Gacy, where he had obviously a really tumultuous, like, um, home life, but then you have someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, who, as far as we know, yeah, we're not sure, yeah, was pretty. It wasn't great, but it wasn't like he was abused or molested or anything like that, right? But it kind of goes back into Dr. Perry, where it doesn't have to be that.
0: The parents look like they're okay, but then we get deeper,
1: and you find that's out that's what you're saying. Those okay. little milestones are 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 missing, and then mm-hmm. boom, you have a Leon. So you know, it it's crazy. Yeah. It's just it's just interesting.
0: Yeah, and there was a theory back in the day. There's a lot of theories back in the day. There's a theory back in the day that. Serial killers were made with a cold and distant mother.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I always uh, seem to blame the
0: the mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what that is. They love blaming women. Hopefully, you could tell them am a f- feminist constructin- construct and structure whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> going back to the theories, but um, yeah. So just to tie in one thing before we end this section, because this one's been a little bit longer than our other ones. I feel like we can tie this back in and make a connection. Let's, we talked about this. The dog, or the dog. Why do I call it? the boy who was in Raised Raises by Dogs? Down. Yeah, which is what the book's namesake is. He was raised with dogs in a cage. Why didn't you think? Yeah. What? Let's do some poshets here. Why do you, don't you think he ended up with like Leon?
1: Yeah. No. I think that's a great, uh, great question. Um, I think it was part of it was that. Um, Dogs are very social beings, and so he learned a lot of his empathy and and social play and all of that through being with dogs.
0: Yeah, they're great, aren't they? Yeah. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. Cats
0: too. If he was raised with cats, he would probably just be a little bit more less goofy. A little more passive aggressive. He he had a really goofy (laughs) sense of humor. Yeah. Like when he started to actually start rehabilitating, Mm -hmm. like he -hmm. was throwing his feces because he's really upset at the beginning. Yeah. And then. When he realized, he would, do,
1: he would do like little odd, funny things that yeah. were humorous, and he and he knew
0: to freak out the staff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like he he was able to be that abstract, yes. even though he had no, you know. You know, I would say traditional human contact, but like zero, basically. Yeah. I mean, like, it was just like this old guy who put him in a cage and dogs. Yeah. You know, and he was able to think that abstract. And he would play
0: with them like the dogs. Yeah. So he was probably getting a little bit of, you know, scratches behind the ear. I yeah. don't know how. Yeah. It's. <laughs> but he also had his grandma.
1: Yeah. There was a little bit of. Who loved the crap out of life. him yeah. until she
0: passed away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he had some saving graces. Yeah. But so,
0: but you just think he was in the cage, but then you really think of like, he just didn't learn, he didn't have the motor skills, the, the voice, but he still had the basic components mm-hmm. that he needed. Yes. If people would just put something into him. Yeah. That's what he needed. Yeah. So this is like, if you go back to that neurology to pull it full circle and kind of conclude this up, what do you think on that PDF? If you can remember, cause I don't have it pulled up right now. Mm hmm. For Leon, what portion of the brain... Oh, I love this. I'm really thinking abstract here, Christian. Are you getting excited? Yeah, yeah. What portion of the brain do you think Leon had an issue with? And what portion of the brain do you think that uh, the boy raises the dog had an issue with?
1: Ooh. Well, I would say since uh, with Leon from the get-go, I think the brain stem from there. Um, But then kind of moving up... I think emotional,
0: his, and the limbic yeah, yeah. The, his
1: limbic system. Yep, definitely um, was
0: damaged. His
1: arousal um, definitely, because I you know you you think you're you're going to prison right, and I think he was very calm. He was so very calm,
0: calm and, cool and he got and really cool. angry. It was like yeah, it would be like super another. calm,
1: and then very very angry. Um, so, yeah, he, he obviously couldn't regulate that. And attachment, so we're kind of we're slowly moving up towards the top yeah. of the limbic system. And then we're getting into the cortical, so the lower parts of the cortical, upper parts of the limbic. So we're probably um, affiliation and a w- reward. So he wasn't able to, like, feel the reinforcement of doing good when his parents praised him. It just didn't register for him. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because down deep down in the, the heart rate, he's probably, I mean, it's very anxiety ridden, I'm sure. At one time, to yeah, to like no, you can't count on anyone. Yeah, because you know humans are very social beings, and mm-hmm. your Just caregivers can't. are your lifeline. Mm-hmm. And, he, and from a very small, he learned. Yeah, it's me. You know,
0: and he's very impulsive. Yes. So for anti personality <laughs> disorder, which I think that's what he was diagnosed with, he's definitely along the lines of a sociopath or a psychopath. Not so much as sociopath.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Because he wanted that power, and it was impulsive, the kill.
1: Yeah. And he was, he was... Granted, he was drunk, but it was still an impulsive decision to just...
0: But it got really gruesome, mm-hmm. which kind of pulls it into that...
1: Yeah, he didn't plan it. It's like he, he pulled him in, aggression he was drunk, and, and then boom.
0: We were talking about like the assaults in mm-hmm. crisis class. Yeah. The different levels.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I think for the kid um, who was raised as a dog. Um,
0: oh yeah, going full circle.
1: He, I feel like for him, he he had like uh, his attachment was pretty good. He obviously could do humor, so he had
0: abstract. Oh, abstract, thought. yeah. Just motor skills were so off. So
1: for him, it was kind of like from the brain stuff off the cortical. He had just like weird, well, not weird, but just he had gaps in certain places. But he was also developed.
0: Yeah, the midbrain definitely.
1: Well in like, but it was like um, uh, motor. Motor regulation, Like, he couldn't... I think he had a hard time holding the yep.
0: pencil. Like, Emotional regulation. Um, Emotional re- reactivity, because he was screaming and throwing his feces. Yeah. He had some... In Olympics, yeah. But I, I would say he was
1: probably stressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't know how to... But once he was calm and, and fine, I feel like he really, like... You know, it was just a lot of, you know, just the social behavior. So, like, the, the cortical sort of things, where you're learning... Um, how to do how to read social cues. Yeah. You know, cuz he knew how to be social, he just didn't know how to be social with humans just yet. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
0: I wonder how he's doing today.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I you know, I I know at some of the end, end of the some of the chapters and this is not one we covered, but um he does kind of give a little like so and so is doing well and thrive. I can't tell you much, but you know, just know that it's doing well. Yeah. You know.
0: So. But yeah, so we are so yeah. nerding out on this. Yeah. This is yeah. Psych nerds. Uh, yeah, this is psych nerds. We have decided. <laughs> this is the name. So, yeah. And oh, yeah. I think I, that was a great book. To, you were going to say something. I was just going
1: to say that I had a lot of fun dissecting uh, the chapters and, and getting to really dive into uh, this book. I, I, I've recommended it to a lot of people. Yeah. And there's a couple people I know who are in social work who have requested this book uh, for, like, their birthday. Because yeah. they know that this is a really good book. So yes. Lord Gosling, continue to assign this book.
0: Yeah, this is a great, this is a great book, um, great author. I I think I also recommended it to people that work with children yeah. and with the, like you know young adults, mm-hmm. and they seemed very excited about it. And I talk about it, and it's informed. Yeah, me because you know I'm a teacher.
1: Yeah, and yeah. a budding counselor. I'll say I wish I knew. To my teaching. I wish I knew this when I was working with um, children. With yeah, autism. Yeah, um,
0: it's less scary, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's also like there was this, just got to be there was this piece like um, oh, no, we can keep going and going and I yeah. swear this will be the last. I'm <laughs> uh, sorry, Dr. Sure, Gosselin. sure,
0: sure, <laughs> uh, sure. sure.
1: <laughs> but uh, I know that a lot of times in, in when when Dr. Perry would go to these cases and are dealing with his children is like, you know, they're self-soothing as a, as a toddler. But yeah. they're like, you know, n- this is not developmentally where they should be. You need to treat them where they should be. And I remember in behavioral therapy, that's sort of where we would meet them. Yeah. is because you wanted them to be at that milestone where they should have already been. Yeah. But I always thought it was a little bit unfair because, you know, I didn't know this kid as w- I got to know them, but I always felt like, There was more underneath than just the behavior. Yeah. And I feel like this was really great in tapping into that.
0: I agree. I agree. We could nerd out. All night. All night. Yeah. So, party people, we're going to call it quits. Yeah. Continue to psych nerd out. Yes. Yes. Because psych nerding out is so much fun. Very fun. And, yeah.
1: See you in episode two.
0: Until then, keep nerding out.